like that. What is you up, everybody? And welcome that. to like this Friday edition of the so Logan Blackman Show. Give yourselves a big round of applause. We have made it to Friday, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my goodness. Well, I guess technically I haven't made it to Friday because I'm still sitting here on Thursday. But you guys, if you're listening to the show right now, congratulations to you. You made it to Friday, the day before the weekend. Well, for you, since you're sitting there on a Friday, it's just a, a normal Friday. I mean, it's just a Friday. But for me, sitting here on Thursday, on Thursday, that means I am one exactly one week away from the 2022 NFL Draft. And I know you guys are technically closer to the NFL Draft, but one week is always, it always sounds cooler that I'm six days away. I mean, maybe that's just me, but I always like saying a month away, a week away. You don't go, I'm 13 days away. No one really cares. No one really cares that you're 13 days away from this sort of milestone. No, I don't care. I really don't care. I want to be a week away, a month away, a year away, Five years away, 10 years away, like nice increments like that. Not 6, 13, 18, uh, 37 days. Like no one cares about those numbers. I'm sorry those numbers out there. I'm very sorry. But I don't really care. Six days away from the NFL draft. Cool. You're closer. But I got the cooler day. And I'm very excited for the NFL draft. I don't know if you could tell in my voice, but it kind of just hit me a little bit ago. We are exactly one week away from the draft. That's big. Give, give the draft a round of applause. Give the NFL draft a round of applause. And it's so much fun. Everything surrounding the draft is a lot of fun. It's stressful as hell when you make mock drafts and stuff like that because the goal of mock drafts is to be as accurate as possible. But we all know we don't know anything because we are not involved with any of the players. I've not talked to any of the players. I don't know any of the scouts or any of the teams. I don't know any of the coaching staffs. I don't know any of the owners. I don't know any of the GMs. Like, I literally know nothing. So you're taking word of mouth from everybody. And you know what? One thing every single person this offseason and in the draft does? Lie. No one in the draft wants you to know what their strategy is going into it. So that's why they call it silly season. Because there's really no truth. We don't know what's true and what's not. Like with the current quarterback situation, the quarterbacks, we talked about this a little bit on Wednesday. When you're talking about the greatest quarterback, the greatest draft classes of all time, you don't think about the ones where the quarterback sucked. You don't think about that. You don't go to 2013 and say this is the greatest draft class of all time or even up there. No, it's one of the worst quarterback or one of the worst draft classes of all time because there was no really any good quarterbacks coming out of that draft class. Like the 2018 draft class had five quarterbacks in the first round. The 2021 draft class had five quarterbacks in the first round. The 2004 draft class had four Hall of Famers in it at quarterback. Okay, no, I'm joking, three. But J.B. Lossman, I he's a Hall of Famer in my heart. He's a Hall of Famer in my heart. The 1983 NFL draft had three Hall of Famers go in the first round. These are considered some of the greatest drafts of all time because the quarterback classes are very, very good or turn out to be something very, very good. And in hindsight, in the next 5, 10, or however many years, we could look back at the 2022 NFL draft class and go, wow, this draft class was really good because we can look back and Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, Matt Corral, Sam Howell, all these guys have turned into awesome, awesome, awesome NFL quarterbacks. But then there's also the scenario where you've got a situation like the uh, 2002 draft class where you have David Carr and Joey Harrington as your top two guys. 
or the 1999 NFL draft where you got Tim Couch and Achilles Smith going within the first three picks. And in between them, you had Donovan McNabb. Like everybody, and this is this is the same thing that works with football leagues as well. Like every single spring league we have had over the past however many years, whether it be the XFL, the USFL, or the AAF, if you even remember that was a thing, we judge these leagues based on the quarterback play. There could be some really awesome players that are in the leagues, but no one really cares unless the quarterback play is good. If the quarterback play is good, people will start paying attention more. There's always one or two quarterbacks in each of those spring leagues that has turned out to be very, or has played very well in the league. I shouldn't say turned out to be something very great because in the AAF it was Garrett Grayson, former Texas SMU quarterback. He was his dad played for the was the back one of the backup quarterbacks on the Bills during the Super Bowl runs. I think he's got five Super Bowl appearances or something. Never played in one of them. He was on the Browns for a little bit. I don't know if he's in the NFL anymore. He's on the Orlando Apollos. And then you had PJ Walker in the XFL, the first rendition of the XFL because they're coming back next year. Remember that. For the Houston Roughnecks, and P.J. Walker is now the third-string quarterback, or was at least last year the third-string quarterback once Cam Newton came in on the Carolina Panthers. But with those two guys just in particular, people were tuning in the league. You wanted to watch the Houston Roughnecks. You wanted to watch the Orlando Apollos, because I think they were coached by Steve Spurrier at the time. I don't know any, really, any of the quarterbacks in the USFL, but from what I could tell from the first week, it looked pretty bad. From what I could tell. And a lot of that is centered around how the quarterbacks played. Like Paxton Lynch is in this league. Shea Patterson. They're on the same team, actually. I just even I didn't even clock that till right now. They're on the same team. Both didn't play very well. Paxton Lynch threw some terrible interceptions. Former first round draft pick out of Memphis. Awful. But we're gonna judge that league. We're gonna judge the draft on how the quarterback play is. And if the quarterback play is bad, that league and that draft class are garbage. It doesn't matter however many, however many great players there are in the draft, and this draft is littered with very, very, very good football players, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Especially on the defensive side of the ball. The receiver class is deep as always. Would I compare it to the likes of last year and the year before? I don't know. I don't know. We could realistically have two wide receivers go in the top 10 picks yet again. Last year we had two, uh, three, because I, I guess Devontae Smith went 10th. The year before that, how many did we have in the top? We didn't have any in the top 10, but we had our first round riddled with wide receivers. Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, Jalen Rager, Justin Jefferson, Brandon Ayuk. Is there anybody else that I'm forgetting in that first round for the wide receivers in the 2020 draft class? I don't think so. But either way, this draft class, like we could see realistically with the wide receivers in this draft class, a record number of wide receivers taken in the first round. We could see the likes of seven to eight Eight wide receivers go in the first round. Five guaranteed. Five guaranteed. And those five to me are Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, Drake London, Chris Olave, and Traylon Burks. Those five are all guaranteed to go in the first round. And then you've got the likes of Jahan Dotson from Penn State, Sky Moore from Western Michigan, and Christian Watson, and even George Pickens from Georgia. Those four guys all have a chance to go into the later stages of the first round. Because like we talked about a few days ago, or if you, when was that? When did we talk about the? It might have been last Wednesday. I can't remember. The Packers pick, like there will be, by the time the Packers are up by twenty at twenty two, the top receivers, those top five guys I mentioned, that are pretty much I shouldn't say they're one hundred percent locked to go in the first round because anything can happen at any time. Anything can happen. That's why it's the NFL draft, especially this year, given the fact that this is supposed to be one of the more unpredictable NFL drafts of all time. 
Now, it could just be pretty straightforward. You have no trades in the first round. Everything goes pretty much how I predict it. But the reality of that is it's not going to happen because, again, like we said earlier, I don't know anything. <laughs> but when what it seems like, all the wide receivers after the Packers, those top five guys will fall in the range of the Falcons at 8, the Jets at 10, the Eagles at 15 or 18, the Saints at 16 or 19, and you're going to make an argument for the Patriots at 21, even though they got Devontae Parker this offseason, but he's often injured, so you could see a reality where the Patriots would go for after one of the first-round wide receivers. And then, of course, the Packers. There's a lot of teams. And the Chargers, I didn't even mention the Chargers. There's a, the, 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 the Houston Texans could also take one. The Washington Commanders could take one. There is a lot of teams in that realm that could go, wow, wide receiver looks really, really good right now. So those four that we mentioned at the end, Dotson, Moore, Watson, and uh, George Pickens, they could all fall into that Cardinals, Bills, Titans, Packers again at 28, Chiefs, Lions realistically. So there's teams in those latter stages that could definitely go after a wide receiver. And given how the current landscape of the NFL is changing with wide receivers, there are teams that could definitely be moving for wide receivers in this draft class. Teams that didn't think they need to deal with this kind of situation. Teams like the San Francisco 49ers, the the before-mentioned Washington Commanders, who might have already needed a wide receiver despite the fact what's going on with their current situation. The Titans and the Seahawks. Teams that did not think prior to a few weeks ago, or maybe a month ago, I don't remember when the deal went through, never thought they'd actually have a, a realistic problem, a real issue with their wide receiver core, at least their top guy. In all of this, and every single owner and every single GM can thank the Jacksonville Jaguars for screwing up the entire NFL offseason in regards to contracts, especially wide receiver contracts, because of two contracts they had this offseason. Christian Kirk on a ridiculous four-year $72 million contract, who's never had over 1,000 yards in a season, who's never been more than a wide receiver three on a team, is now one of the highest-paid wide receivers in the entire NFL. And then even arguably even weirder, Zay Jones on a three-year, twenty-four to thirty million dollar contract. In what reality is Zay Jones? And if we're talking about the college Zay Jones, who held the record for most catches in college football, that's different. This Zay Jones could barely catch a cold in Buffalo, and did nice-ish things with the Raiders. Nothing noteworthy, but like they sign these guys to these massive contracts. And now all these teams that had number one wide receivers or thought they were set at the wide receiver position are now going, ooh, crap. But then this opens up the doors for a team like the Jets, who have been very open about trading draft picks. From what it sounded like, the Jets are like, hey, if you want the 10th pick, we'll give it to you. Just don't, (laughs) if you just take some other picks, but if you want the 10th pick, we want your guy. And they have been linked with like every single wide receiver in this this offseason. And Debo Samuel is the most recent one. And the thing that I find interesting about this whole Debo Samuel situation is the fact that he doesn't want to be referred to as a wide back anymore. He wants to be a wide receiver. But if I remember correctly, I think he was the one who coined that phrase. Wasn't he the guy that said he wanted to be called a wide back, like a new position in the NFL called wide back? Isn't that what he said? Like, didn't he have merchandise and everything that said wide back on it? And now all of a sudden, he wants to be just known as a wide receiver. And I think, I'm not saying anything bad about Debo Samuel, because I think he's skilled enough to be a number one wide receiver. He is a number one wide receiver. He almost won me my fantasy football league this year, and I got him like the fourth round. So 
I have nothing but respect for Debo Samuel. Nothing, but I would want him. I want him on the Bills in a heartbeat. I want DK. I want AJ Brown. I want Terry McLaurin. Any wide receiver, I'd be cool with. And that's not saying that I want to replace Stephon Diggs or Gabriel Davis or players like no, 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 no. I just want to add more weapons to the team, more weapons to the arsenal. And if you can get Debo Samuel. I don't think Bills fans would be complaining about that. If you got DK Metcalf, if you got Terry McLaurin, if you got AJ Brown, I don't think anybody would be complaining about that whatsoever. I think everybody would be pretty excited about that, even the aforementioned Bills wide receivers I just mentioned. But man, this wide receiver situation, this wide receivers this offseason, it is the wide receiver offseason. Wide receiver draft class is extremely deep, and four of the best wide receivers in the NFL are all pretty much saying, we want to be traded because of this stupid Christian Kirk contract. Like, that's why Devontae Adams got traded. He saw the Christian Kirk contract. He's like, nah, I'm not signing that franchise tech. Hell no, I'm not signing that franchise tech. If Christian Kirk's making that. Thankfully for the Bills, they pounced on that pretty quickly and said, here, Diggs, here's a new contract. And Stephon Diggs has made it pretty clear that this is his last team, which I'm forever thankful for because I will never say a bad word about Stephon Diggs. And I, I just... I'm still, no matter how how many years pass, I will still be confused to a certain extent on what the hell every single Vikings fan was talking about with Diggs being a locker room cancer. Diggs was a captain on the Bills in his second year. Diggs led the NFL in receiving yards and receptions his first year. Where was the cancer part coming in? Stephon Diggs recruited Von Miller to Buffalo. Everybody said that he'd be a cancer with Josh Allen, and Josh Allen has now developed into a top-two quarterback in the NFL. Like, everything Minnesota Vikings fans, I'm not saying all of them, because my friends never really said anything about Stephon Diggs. One of them misses Stephon Diggs a lot. I mean, you, he had the greatest moment, and all you and Vikings fans that are my age, the greatest moment, and even some Vikings fans that are older, the greatest moment in their life was the Minneapolis miracle against the New Orleans Saints. Stephon Diggs was that. Now, you could say Marcus Williams made a stupid play trying to go for his legs, but you know what? It didn't matter. Diggs caught the ball and scored the touchdown. It is the greatest play in your guys' lifetime. Like, the Vikings have been known for giving up some pretty memorable plays. They gave up the first ever Hail Mary to the Dallas Cowboys. They have the missed field goal where Gary Anderson hadn't missed a, hadn't missed a field goal all season. Missed, like, what, a 20- a to 30-yard field goal to lose to the Falcons? You lost the three and whatever Cardinals to get out of the playoffs. So when you add the, all you need to do, it was basically the, what the Colts did this year. You lost the Jaguars, except the Cardinals won in the very last play of the game. It was Josh McCown. I don't remember who the receiver was, but I think that loss by the Vikings got the Packers into the playoffs. It's like the Vikings have had a lot of very, very memorable plays against them. But the Minneapolis Miracle is by far, at least to my knowledge, I could be wrong. I'm not a Vikings fan, so I don't really have all these big moments memorized. That's the greatest play in Minnesota Vikings history, and then you wouldn't know that if you just looked on Twitter and saw Vikings fans every time Diggs is mentioning anything, tweeting something about, oh, we fleeced your deal. This is the most even trade in NFL history. Justin Jefferson for Stephon Diggs. I've never seen a trade that's been that even before. Justin Jefferson's one of the best receivers in the NFL. Stephon Diggs one of the best receivers in the NFL. I have no bad word to say about either one of them. I don't know why Vikings fans on Twitter are just so butthurt about Diggs. Like, did you really just want Diggs to work out? Because he's been never an issue with the Buffalo Bills. Like, he didn't make a big scene about getting a contract signed when that was what I was told was going to happen with Stephon Diggs. He didn't say anything. 
about this contract. It was just, oh, Christian Kirk signed a contract. Oh, Stephon Diggs just signed a contract. It was like that. It wasn't anything that was prolonged. It wasn't anything that was dramatic. It was done and dusted in the matter of a day, it felt like. Like, Tyreek Hill was traded after, like, an hour after the reports of him saying he was, the Chiefs allowed him to request a trade, and he's gone. He's in Miami. Like, all these wide receivers that have moved, I was told Stephon Diggs was going to be like this. And he's been the exact opposite. And I tell my Vikings friends this all the time. I don't know what the hell went wrong with Stephon Diggs in Minneapolis. Because as of right now, he is the... Now, there's some big trades in NFL history. The Cornelius Bennett trade is a big one in Bill's history. I'll give him that. To me, the Stephon Diggs trade is the biggest trade in Buffalo Bill's history. And Von Miller, ironically... Two years to the day is the biggest free agent signing in Bills history. The first ever Super Bowl MVP to ever play for the Buffalo Bills. And he hasn't even played yet. Once he does play, he'll be the first ever Super Bowl MVP to play for the Buffalo Bills. Or former Super Bowl MVP. And I was told Diggs... And Diggs was the guy that recruited Von Miller. And Diggs is the locker room cancer that can't play with anybody that's going to hate playing for Josh. You hate Kurt Cousins. He's going to hate Josh Allen. Um, Yeah, they're not even in the same stratosphere in regards to how good each quarterback is. And I have nothing really against Kurt Cousins. I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback. I'm one that's been on the record said numerous times, I think Kurt Cousins gets way more hate than what he deserves. But he's not even on the same, like, level, nowhere near the same level as Josh Allen. And I like him. I like Kirk Cousins. He's a fine quarterback. He got paid what the market allows. People want to complain about his contract all the time. That's what quarterbacks make now. Vikings paid for what the market said. You can get mad about the contract and the money all you want. That's what the market said. Kirk Cousins is not worth that contract, but the market made him worth that contract. So I have nothing against him, but yeah, we're not mentioning Kirk Cousins and Josh Allen in the same sense unless we go. Do you remember when Josh Allen beat Kirk Cousins in Minnesota in his rookie season in his second ever start when he hurled Anthony Barr when the Vikings were 14 and a half point favorites? That's the only time you should ever mention Josh Allen and Kirk Cousins in the same sense, or this year, because I guess the Bills and Vikings are playing again in Buffalo. So that should be a very interesting experience. But these wide receivers, man, it's is crazy. Whether it be from the draft or whether it be these offseason acquisitions or whether it be if Debo, Terry, AJ, or DK all get traded, man, 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 man. I'm excited. I'm very excited. These wide receivers are getting very, very good. And I don't remember who said this quote. I saw it on like Twitter or Instagram or something yesterday. And it says wide receivers will always be really good. Their drafts for wide receivers, I think it was Brandon Bean, the Bills GM. I think he said something along the lines of the wide receiver drafts from now on will always be good due to all the seven-on-seven workouts and the seven-on-seven practices. Yes, I agree with that 100%. We do seven-on-sevens all the time. Like at William Penn in high school, seven-on-sevens during the summer, during the uh, spring, or during the fall, seven-on-sevens happened almost every day. So wide receivers are going to get very good with all this one-on-one work. So these drafts for the next however many years, wide receivers will be very, very good. Next year, you've got some very, 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 very good wide receivers yet again. <laughs> like, there is going to be some drafts where we are just going to have a plethora, a plethora of elite, elite wide receivers like next year. And this isn't even, like, nailed on yet. But, like, Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State, Jordan Addison from Pittsburgh, 
Marvin Mims from Oklahoma, Rakeem Jarrett from Maryland, Xavier Hutchison from Iowa State, Kayshawn Butte, I don't know how to say his name, Butte from LSU, Aeneas Smith. Like, there's some... There are some very good wide receivers in this draft class next year. Charlie Jones. <laughs> got him. No, I'm jo- Charlie Jones. I like Charlie Jones a lot. But, um, yeah, he ain't <laughs> he ain't going to be considered one of the top players in next year, one of the top wide receivers in next year's draft. Like, next year's draft. And we're talking about quarterback draft classes, too, while we're on the topic of just elite classes. Next year's draft class will be considered one of those. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, if Spencer Rattler could keep his head on straight – Rattler, Phil Yurkovic, Hendon Hooker, Will Levis, Grayson McCall, Tanner McKee, if he can, like, no, again, it's weird to say this about a Stanford kid, but ter- keep his head on straight because there were times he looked really good last year and times he looked really, really bad. Malik Cunningham, he, that dude will break almost every single rushing record this year probably for a quarterback. Der- Dorian Thompson-Robinson from UCLA. There's some good quarterbacks next year. There's some really good quarterbacks. JT Daniels transferred again, which shouldn't be a surprise to anybody at this point because he's just not that good. <laughs> Jaron Hall from BYU. Like next year, we're gonna have some good. We're gonna have some good quarterbacks. We're gonna have some very good quarterbacks. And then Will Will Anderson is probably at this point in time the number one player in the draft class next year. Probably it's between him and Stroud. Whoever has the number one overall pick, if they need an edge rusher or if they don't need a quarterback, they're taking Will Anderson. If they need a quarterback, they're taking uh, Bryce Young. And we've talked about Bryce Young for a while now. If you listen to Logan Blackman show, we've been on the Bryce Young hype train since he was in high school. Since he was in high school. But the dude's a baller. Dude's an absolute baller. But yeah, I'm excited for next year. I'm already excited for next year's draft. Well, you know, we're not even really supposed to be talking about next year's draft class. We're only supposed to be talking about this year's draft class. And we've got the wide receiver prospect rankings done. I have. I did type those up today. So the wide receiver prospect rankings are done. We will try to get this out for you on Monday. If not, it will come out the same day as the mock draft, which will be either Wednesday or Thursday. This might come out before the mock draft. This might come out the day of the draft. I don't know which one's going to come first. I don't know. We'll have to see how everything looks out. But we have 20 graded wide receivers. 20. And I like the list. I like the list. I hope you like it as well. So here's we've got almost every position group rated. So we got 15 quarterbacks, we got 20 running backs, we got 20 wide receivers, 15 tight ends, 15 tackles, 15 interior linemen, 15 interior defense linemen, 20 edge rushers, 15 linebackers, 15 corners, and 15 safeties. So what? Let's do the quick math real quick. So we got we got 15 plus 20 plus 20 plus 15. Uh, 15, uh, 15, we reached 100 players, and that's just on the offensive side. 15, oh crap, plus 14, because I messed up. Uh, 20, 15, uh, 15, and 15. So there's 180 players rated. Now, there is 263 picks in the draft, 263, 264, hold on. Now we got we got we got to do some double checking here. I want to make sure Mr. Relevance gets picked at the right spot. It's 263 or 264 or 262. You know what? <laughs> that works too. <laughs> yes. Yeah, what am I talking about? It could be either 263 or 264. Oh, it's actually one less. Huh. That's a, that's awesome. 
well, there's only 259 last year, so you know what? I don't care. I really don't care what you say. There had to be 263 at one point, right? 255 in 2020. Jeez. There's had to be 263 at one point. I swear there was 263. 254 in 2019. When was there 263? 250. Okay, you know what? We're going to chalk the L up on that. I could I, I could forget. But I think I said 262. I think I said that. So I will take that with a big grin and say, hell yeah, I got that exactly right. And I might have said that. I just don't remember. <laughs> I really don't remember. But, man, draft is fun. Tra- trades and free agency are fun, too. I'm very intrigued to see which one of these wide receivers stays. I'm very intrigued. Because they've all, well, I, apart from, like, DK, who's going to be on a a pretty bad team next year, one would suspect with the Seahawks being the best division in football. The two best divisions in football are the AFC West and the NFC West. You got the reigning Super Bowl champions, you got the 49ers who are going to be, should be really good, and then you've got, you know, the uh, Arizona Cardinals who should be, you know, not have their heads so far up their ass next year. Maybe they'll actually, you know, compete a little more and not completely capitulate towards the latter stage of the season, which is just, you know, how Cliff Kingsbury does these things. But, man, these guys... They got good things going, and Deke and Debo, I mean, hey, money's nice, but if you get traded from the 49ers to the Jets, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. You get more money, which is cool, but, uh, yeah, your your team is a lot worse. And I do understand that there are some connections between the Jets and the 49ers. You got Lafleur there, who was the – was he just the quarterback coach when he left San Fran? With Robert Sala was there as the D coordinator. Lafleur, I think, was the quarterback coach, or he was the wide receivers coach. If he was the wide receivers coach, this changes everything. Hold on. Oh, he's a pass game coordinator. Was he a running wide receivers coach? Wide receiver coach at Davidson. And he was the oh, he was wide receivers coach for the 49ers. Was that before Debo Samuel? Was that before Debo? Maybe he didn't want to talk to Debo. Maybe he wanted to talk to him. It was before Debo. He wasn't the wide receivers coach in 2019. He left that position in 2018 then he just became the pass game coordinator someone else got the wide receivers coach job but there are connections there so I can I would understand and the Jets again have been trying really hard to move for wide receivers like they've been linked with Tyreek they've been linked with DK they've been linked with AJ Brown they've been linked with Debo they've been linked with all these different wide receivers so I would not be shocked if they went for one either way they're going to end up with one and the 10th pick is going to be used on a wide receiver regardless of that's the Jets or if that's the 49ers or someone else that pick is getting used on a wideout I'm pretty confident. Now, I guess the Steelers could trade up to move up to 10 to draft a quarterback. Maybe that's a situation that happens. But as right now, (laughs) I think the Jets will just draft one. Draft one. Because I don't know what the situation is. I'm not going to try and speculate what's going on with Debo Samuel. I don't want him to go to the Jets. That's all I can say. I don't want Tyreek Hill going to the Jets, or the Dolphins, and he went there. I don't want Debo Samuel going to the, the, the Jets. Like, I can allow one big time wide receiver to join the division. One, that's Tyreek Hill. Two is too much. Now, would it affect me if he went to the Jets? Not really. It hurt if you go to the Patriots, but I don't think that's happening. Because the Jets, I really, I mean, the Bills thrashed them both times they played them last year. We had the, They killed Mike White, literally killed him. Like, his career is dead in the water after that game. And they sacked Zach Wills like eight times. If the Bills get eight sacks on you or nine sacks, however many they got, that's pretty atrocious. That's pretty atrocious. And that fourth pick for the Jets, depending on who's available, I mean, I said this on Wednesday, I think Kayvon Thibodeau is bound to be a Jet. 
I just feel like that's going to happen. But hey, if Ike Mekwanu is there, I, Joe Douglas has never drafted a defensive player in the first two rounds since he's been the GM of the Jets. So if Ike Mekwanu is there, and there are a lot of reports saying that they really like Ike Mekwanu, and I know the Jets necessarily don't have a ton of holes on their offensive line, which is weird to say, but they don't. They really don't. Like, the only spot they could really fit Aquanu in is center. And they don't really need a center. I mean, Connor McGovern's a fine center. He's nothing spectacular, but they should be getting Makai Becton back. If the rumors are not to be believed of that they are dud, they are dead with with Makai Becton because they are just tired of his injury history. They're tired of it, and they want to move on. George Fant played really well last year. Elijah Ver Tucker, they got him in the second round. They got uh, Lake and Tomlin, or they got him in, what, 14? What am I talking about, second round? And then Lake and Tomlinson, they got him this offseason as well. Becton, Fant, McGovern. Like, their old line's not that bad. It's not that bad. It's not great, but it's not that bad, comparatively. And Joe Douglas, being a former offensive lineman himself, uh, I could definitely see a reality where uh, he says, uh, screw you, Salah. I know you were part of the San Francisco 49ers and they built a very good team that went to the Super Bowl based off their defensive line, spending multiple first-round draft picks on defensive linemen. You got Armstead, Thomas, Buckner, Bosa, Kinlaw. Like, it's five draft picks in the first round. A couple of those with top three picks. Bosa and Solomon Thomas. And Buckner was a top 10 pick. Armstead was a top 20 pick. Kinlaw was a top 15 pick. So, like, it's... There's all these different things. I know Sala wants a D. I know. I don't know. I think I know Robert Sala wants an edge rusher. He's got Carl Lawson coming back. I think he tore his Achilles last year, so he should be having him back, which would be nice. But they need help. That defense reeks. And Robert Sala, I think we've talked about this before. Robert Sala had a quote a few months ago, or maybe a month ago, a couple weeks ago. I don't remember. Basically, it was something along the lines of, everybody wants to say, we need to get Zach Wilson help. And by help, they think, like, receivers, tackle, tackles, running backs, all that stuff. But when you're down by 40-plus points, like, they lost the pay, they lost 50 points to the Patriots. The Patriots got blitzed by 30 by the Bills. <laughs> they allowed 50 to that team. They got blitzed by the Bills. They somehow beat the Titans. Still don't understand how that game worked out. But they were getting killed in all these games, and Robert Sala being a defensive-minded guy, Zach Wilson... Yeah, he's talented, and I think Zach Wilson should have a big step going into this year once they get him a wide receiver, a number one wide receiver. I like Corey Davis. I like Elijah Moore. But they need a true number one guy because Corey Davis ain't that. Top five pick, sure, not a number one wide receiver. He got that mantle taken away from him by A.J. Brown, and once A.J. Brown came in, notice how Corey Davis's numbers started going up. Took a lot of pressure off A.J. Brown, or off uh, Corey Davis. I think Zach Wilson should go up, and once you fix the defense, whether that's on the D-line, the secondary, the two weakest spots on the team in general, I think they got Jordan Whitehead this offseason, which is a very good get at safety. Definitely helped them out. But they need some help. They definitely need some help. But I wanted to do this real quick. Since we're talking about the draft, and the number one pick in the draft is always a huge talking point, a huge mungus talking point, a gigantic talking point. Like this year, it's between two people. We know it's between two people. We know it's between Trayvon Walker and Aiden Hutchinson. We know this. I guess, again, I think we know this. I shouldn't say I know this because I reality says, oh, well, re- here comes reality slaps you in the face and they're going to draft either Icom Aquanu or Evan Neal. Maybe that happens. Maybe they go really rogue and draft Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis first overall. I mean, the Cardinals did it. 
the Cardinals wound up drafted a rookie quarterback at 10 and then had the number one pick again, and then that happened, and then the Jaguars had the number one pick last year and still have the number one pick. But there's a lot, <laughs> a lot of situations that went on in Jacksonville that go, okay, that's not Trevor Lawrence's fault. His coach reeked. <laughs> the situation reeked. Ugh, awful situation. But hey, you kept the Colts. You you held the number one spot in the draft and kept a division rival out of the playoffs. Like that is the most perfect for how bad your season was, locking up the number one overall pick and beating your division rival to keep them out of the playoffs when they were seen at one point as the hottest team in the NFL. That's gotta feel really, really good. But I found this tier list. We haven't done tier lists in a little bit. Maybe we have, and I just can't remember. But I found this tier list, and it's every single number one, or not every single, not every single. So it's a while back, dating back to 1998. I did not make this tier list. I found this one because if you you know, we go back to 97, which I believe was the was Orlando Pace. I believe he got drafted first in 97. Hold on. Oh, boom. Let's go. Yeah, Orlando Pace got drafted first in 97. He's not in this list, and neither are Trevor Lawrence or Joe Burrow. So this is just from 20, two, 1998 to 2019. So Kyler Murray is the first quarter, the last quarterback on this. Peyton Manning is the first one. Okay, got it. So we're going to go in, you know, we're, we're going to go from 98 to 19. Or should we go, which order should we go in? Who do we want to end on, Peyton Manning or Kyler Murray? It'd be a lot more fun if the Colts ended up picking Ryan Leaf and then we'd have Ryan Leaf here. That'd be a lot more fun. And it's not in any cool tiers. Just S A B C D tier. I don't like that. Why did this person do it? They got a lot of ratings. They got a lot of ratings on tiermaker.com. I'm not going to give him a free follow on Twitter. I'm not going to give him a free shout out. He has to pay me for a shout out. This is a big time show. He has to pay me for the shout out. <laughs> but we're going to go. We're going to go 1998 to 2019. Starting off Peyton Manning, I don't really need to do a lot of talking about this S tier. Peyton Manning is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. He's top three quarterback in NFL history. We've said this numerous times. If you have, if you're ranking the top five quarterbacks in the NFL, the top three quarterbacks should always stay the same. If it's not Brady, Montana, Manning, I don't care about your top five list. I really don't care. Or any quarterback rankings that involves any quarterbacks of all time. I don't really care. Brady, Montana, Manning is the top three quarterbacks of all time. You can get pissed off at all you want. You go, well, Aaron Rodgers and John Elway are more gifted than those guys. I don't care. Aaron Rodgers, we talked about this when he lost to the 49ers where he didn't score you know, a single touchdown against them. That dude gets a lot of excuses. I like Aaron Rodgers a lot. I really like Aaron Rodgers. I think he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. He's not in that top five category. He's won one Super Bowl, and then every time he loses something, it's always someone else's fault. I'm not saying that he's saying that, but everybody else in the media goes, oh, well, Aaron Rodgers, man, if he had a defense. Oh, his defense got him three interceptions against the Pack, the Buccaneers last year, and he refused to run in from the five-yard line, which would have been a walk-in touchdown. Didn't do that. Oh, uh, this year it was – what was the excuse this year? I didn't really hear an excuse this year. Lost to a 49ers team that Jimmy G had never played in cold weather – in the NFL never played in that cold of weather. He played at Eastern Illinois, so he played in cold weather before, but not in the NFL. So it had been a while. Lambeau Field is supposed to be a fortress in the playoffs, in the cold, when you're the number one overall seed. Would you have the MVP on your team and you can't score a single offensive touchdown? A single one. And you're force-feeding it to Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. I think each of them had nine catches. Like That's ridiculous. So we're not putting Aaron Rodgers up in that court. I'll put Elway up in the top five. I'm cool with Elway being up there. Not Rodgers. Not Rodgers. You had to put a Unitas probably up there as well. 
Marino could be mentioned up there. I know Marino didn't win anything, but Marino transformed the NFL. Without Dan Marino, who knows what the state of the NFL is right now. And I know I can hear you out there as well saying, well, Michael Vick transformed the NFL as well because we wouldn't have Lamar Jackson without Michael Vick. So why is Michael Vick not in there? I'm not doing that game. I can think, I can feel some of you thinking that. And it's a day in advance. Like, I don't even know what you're thinking, what you're doing right now, but I could feel some of you thinking that. But Manning is one of the top three greatest quarterbacks of all time. Moving on to 99, uh, not one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, Tim Couch, the, start, the, the first pick from the newly formed Cleveland Browns, which is still one of the weirdest things in NFL history. The Browns move into Baltimore, and it's like, <laughs> so the Browns left and left everything in Cleveland. Left the history, the colors, the name, whatever. Everything stayed in Cleveland. So that's like you got up. You and your family are moving house or something. You're going to move to another side of town. And the people that come to look at your house, well, yep, this is all you. This is all yours. You can keep all of this. Congratulations. This is all yours. I don't want your crap. I want my stuff in here. Nope, you get this. And the Browns before the 1999 season had a very good history. Browns one of the most historic franchises in all the NFL. Pre-1995. Post-1999, they are not one of the greatest franchises of all time. Like Otto Graham, players like that. Jim Brown, some of the great, Paul Brown, like some of the greatest people in NFL history. Jim Brown, to a lot of people, is the greatest football player of all time. Like even Bernie Kosar had some really good moments with the Browns. Should have taken the Browns to two Super Bowls. Lost the Broncos both times in the playoffs. Sad times. They had Bill Belichick, and then they fired him going over to Baltimore. Man. But yeah, Tim Couch D-tiered. That dude, <laughs> that dude did not. It was a weird thing with the top two picks in this draft class. Tim Couch and Don McNabb, neither one of them liked the cities they were drafted in. Don McNabb was booed when he was drafted by the Eagles because they wanted Ricky Williams. And Don McNabb is one of the greatest Philadelphia Eagle quarterbacks of all time. So it kind of he led him to a Super Bowl. He had some beef with with Terrell Owens during his time there as well. Seeing To play, I think a year and a half in Philly or something like that. But Tim Couch, he got hurt and crowd Browns fans started cheering. He didn't have a great relationship with the Browns fans either. Him and McNabb, that was a re- really weird draft. Like the Saints, when they traded up to get Ricky Williams, they traded their entire draft to draft a running back, and Washington didn't turn into anything. They had all these draft picks and still were crap. <laughs> like that's that's more impressive than anything. But Tim Couch, yeah, it didn't work out. Courtney Brown is the next one. Uh, he can kind of fall in that same category as well. The two thousand number one overall pick, Courtney Brown. <laughs> I don't really know a whole lot about Courtney Brown. I remember him from a few things on NFL Network. I've watched him a few times on the NFL Network, but he played five years in the NFL. Like, that's it. 2005. He made the PFWA All-American, All-Rookie team in 2000. That was it. Did absolutely nothing in his time in the NFL. Uh, yeah, he falls under that as well. <laughs> he had he only played his career high in games was his rookie year, 16. He had 69 LOL combined tackles in 2000. He never got over 42 after that. He had a career high in sacks in 2003, was six. Number one overall pick, played five years. Yeah, it, um, it didn't really work out for him, but at six foot four, 271 pounds, run a 4'5", 37 inch vertical. You're gonna you're gonna be a number one pick, but yeah, he did not work out. He he goes in that little category. 2001, Michael Vick. 
Now, the first three picks have been fairly easy. Peyton Manning is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Tim Couch is not. Courtney Brown, also not. <laughs> Michael Vick, I think, I, I don't know if this is controversial or not. So I, I would like to start this off by saying Michael Vick's one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time. I will not say anything bad about Michael Vick on the field. But Michael Vick, post-prison sentence, I think was a better overall quarterback than what he was in Atlanta. I think the star was better in Atlanta, but he was a better player and let alone a better person during his final seasons in Philly. Or his first seasons in Philly, not his final seasons in Philly. But like, I remember Vince, Mc, Vince, uh, Vince Young was the backup quarterback to Michael Vick during one of those runs. The year after Michael Vick almost was on the cover of Madden. His first, like, first year starting for the Eagles. After Kevin Cobb got hurt week one. And Vince Young said this is the dream team. And, uh, yeah, the Eagles that year uh, did not – not only were not the dream team, they went 8-8 eight and eight and didn't qualify the playoff, for the playoffs. Start off the season 2-4. Uh, and four. <laughs> So, not the greatest way to start. Yeah, you ended on a four-game win streak against the powerhouses known as the Dolphins, Jets, Cowboys, and Redskins, as they were known then, as they were known then. But, yeah, this was not the dream team. This was definitely not the dream team. It was a good – they had a lot of really nice players on this team, like Vic, Shady McCoy – Jeremy Macklin, Deshaun Jackson, Brent Selleck was awesome for a little bit. Jason Peters, Jason Kelsey was a rookie. Julian Vandervelde from Iowa was on this team as well. Brandon Graham was a young player. Who else said Namdi Asamoah, who did not really pan out when he went to Philly. Once he left Vegas, or Vegas Oakland, he kind of went downhill. He was the best quarterback in the league for a while. And then went down. He had Asante Samuel, Dominique Rogers, cromarty had some good players on this team. They went 8-8. Eight eight. Missed the playoffs. Jason Babin was an all-right player. Missed the playoffs. Andy Reid. I think this was Andy Reid's last year as the coach, wasn't it? Could be wrong. Hold on. No, he had a 4-12 and year the next year. So the Dream Team went from a good season, Michael Vick's first year starting at 10-6, to 8-8 eight and eight and 4-12. and So, yeah, the Dream Team did not really pan out. But, like, before that, like, before the prison sentence, Vic's passing numbers were nothing spectacular. Like, he had a career completion percentage above 55% one time over his first however many years in the NFL before his prison sentence. His first year starting with Philly, he had a 62% completion percentage. I would put Vic... Uh, he's, he's like in between that B and A, no, a tier. A tier. For his... For what he did on the field and then what he meant to kids my age and some people a little bit older, Michael Vick was must-see TV. And I, I know that might not be a fair reason to put someone up in A tier because they were, oh, we had to watch him. Like, Josh Hamilton is one of those players in baseball that was like, every time Josh Hamilton was up for the Rangers, before he went to the Phillies, it was or the Phillies, the Angels, it was like, you got to watch Josh Hamilton play. But does that mean Josh Hamilton, if we looked at the top players of all time, I guess it's a certain number of players. But if we had that, when we put Josh Hamilton in A tier because he was must-see TV, for a little bit he was. But then Josh Hamilton went right back downhill. But Vic was really good, got sent to prison, and had a couple of really good years with Philly, and then teetered out when he went to the Jets and Steelers. I would put Vic in A tier. I like Michael Vic a lot. And we'll see how that adjusts as we go on because we'll see how it – this tier list is subject to change. We're not saying that this is going to be locked in forever – Locked in forever. It's not. It's not going to be locked in forever. Uh, next quarterback, so we got 2002, David Carr. Sadly, D tier. Dude was set up to fail in Houston. The expansion Texans. 
came in and uh, did absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> they, they sucked. The Derek Gar- David Carr got sacked 76 times as a rookie. To put that in perspective, Joe Burrow got sacked 70 times in the regular season plus the postseason. David Carr, I think, played 15 games his rookie year and got sacked 76 times. Still an NFL record. Like I, I feel really bad for David Carr. But that, like we said earlier, that draft class, David Carr, Joey Harrington, not great. Not great first three picks. <laughs> Two top three picks. Moving on to 2003, we got... Who's 2003? Hold on. I got to try and find... They're not in order, so it's kind of hard to... Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer goes in the A tier. Carson Palmer is awesome. When he went to the, the Bengals, had some really nice success. If he didn't get hurt against the Steelers, when the Steelers went on to win the Super Bowl that year when they played the Seattle Seahawks, you could make an argument that Carson Palmer would have led the Bengals or could have led the Bengals to the Super Bowl. That completely derailed their season. Carson Palmer is one of the greatest college quarterbacks of all time. Won the Heisman Trophy wrongly over Brad Banks, but we're not going to talk about that here. We're not here to talk about the robbery that Carson Palmer had over Brad Banks, but he was really good, really good. He went to Oakland, and Hugh Jackson, you know, out of all the amazing things Hugh Jackson's ever said, and Hugh Jackson said a lot of great things in his time. When they traded for David for Carson Palmer, he said it was the greatest trade in NFL history. So do I agree with that? No. Does that take away from the fact that Carson Palmer was a really good quarterback? Also no. <laughs> like, Carson Palmer balled out in one of his last seasons in the NFL. The Cardinals went 13-3 and at 35 touchdowns. Like, Carson Palmer was awesome. I really liked Carson Palmer. And he put up with a lot of garbage in Cincinnati. Like, the Bengals now, I think every single, I could be wrong about this, I think every single NFL team is an indoor practice facility in some capacity, except for the Bengals, who are just now starting to build one. Like, the Bengals have been stuck in the the twenty like the 70s for the past 50 years. <laughs> when they first got founded, that's where it's been done. They haven't been able to get out of that system. Mike Brown's the owner, son of Paul Brown, and I'm pretty sure, now this is saying a whole lot, I think he's the poorest owner in the NFL. I think he's the poorest owner. That's not saying a whole lot because the poorest owner in the NFL is still the richest man in 99% of other rooms out there. He's just the poorest in one room, and that's the NFL, the NFL owners' meetings. But Carson Palmer is really good. I like Carson Palmer a lot. Would I put him above Vic? I don't know because they, they they did two totally complete they did two completely different things. I don't know. I'll think about that one. Two thousand four, Eli Manning. Eli Manning goes S tier. Eli Manning's a Hall of Famer. S tier's Hall of Fame. I look. I know Eli Manning's regular season numbers are not the greatest of all time. Some would say they're average to below average regular season numbers. But the fact of the matter is, Eli Manning is one of five players in NFL history to have two Super Bowl MVPs. One of five. Eli Manning in the postseason is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. There's no debating that. If there, if you can try and debate that all you want, Eli Manning is one of the greatest postseason quarterbacks of all time. He beat up, he beat the Patriots twice with the Giants. This isn't like a really good Giants team. This was a 9-7 and 10-6 and Giants team versus a 16-0 Patriots team, and I'm pretty sure a 14-2 Patriots team. I could be wrong about the second one. And still beat them. Had one of the greatest moments of Super Bowl history. Like, I know David Tyree's catch is awesome. How Eli Manning got out of that to even get the ball off to throw to David Tyree is one of the greatest plays in its own right that no one really talks about. Because everybody talks about the catch of David Tyree, helmet catch. But Eli Manning, who was not a mobile quarterback, getting out of that pocket to throw that ball, amazing. Eli Manning's S tier. Don't care what anybody says. 2005, Alex Smith, A goes B tier. 
I, I love I really like Alex Smith. I loved him when he was in San Francisco. I felt really I remember I remember I was at a restaurant with my family when this happened. The, the 49ers were playing the Bears, I think. Now I gotta see if this is right. Okay, Alex Smith. So I wanna I wanna see if this was the Bears. I think hold on. I'm trying to be quick here. Is last year starting in San Fran? Yes. It was again. I think it was against the Bears when Colin Kaepernick made his first. Like that was it was Alex Smith was coming back, and this was the first time Kaepernick was like the official starter for the 49ers with Alex Smith healthy. Like he was the backup, and I don't think Alex Smith deserved to lose a starting job like that because Alex Smith. The 49ers were 13 and three the season before. Alex Smith was a very late bloomer. Is he on the same level as the other quarterback that was drafted in the first round that year, or the other two? Well. We're going to talk about one. I'm not going to put Jason Campbell in this conversation, but Aaron Rodgers, is he as good as Aaron Rodgers? No, nowhere close. But Alex Smith had a very nice career. Started off really late, was a late bloomer. Jim Harbaugh came in, and they had a lot of success. Then he went to Kansas City, had a lot of, I shouldn't say a lot. I shouldn't say a lot of success. He had some success. Like when I compare this set, like if we're looking at him and Vic in comparison, like Vic ended the Packers' undefeated home playoff streak. This is a team from Atlanta. In his first year as the starter, him and the Falcons went up to Green Bay and beat the Packers and Lambeau Field with Brett Favre when they were the team. When they had no, they were supposed to have no chance. They're a dome team from the South playing in freezing cold Lambeau Field. And Michael Vick, who's not from a very cold weather city, from Virginia, played at Virginia Tech, comes in and beats the Packers and puts forth one of the greatest performances of all time. Like, did Alex Smith have those moments? No. Alex Smith's moment in the NFL is when they blew the lead against the Colts and the, t- the t- Titans in the playoffs. Mariota threw the pass to himself. Those are the two most famous playoff games for Alex Smith. Apart from, you know, Kaepernick's record-setting rushing game against the Packers. And Alex Smith didn't even play that game. I like Alex Smith a lot. Alex Smith's B-tier. I like Alex Smith a lot, but he's B-tier. What's next time? 2006. Mario Williams. Mario Williams is A-tier. Mario Williams was awesome during his time in the NFL. My dad has a a pencil-drawn picture of Mario Williams and then a jersey of Mario Williams. Mario Williams, for a time, was the most feared edge rusher in the NFL. Like, in Buffalo, he was the biggest, at the time, was the biggest free agent signing of all time. Bill's history. $100 million contract. Six years worth up to $100 million. $50 million pretty much guaranteed. Like, Mario Williams was the dude. And Charlie Cassidy... Drafted Mario Williams. He's the GM of the Texans at the time. And everybody was mad they didn't take Reggie Bush or Vince Young. Vince Young is from that area. Went to Texas. Won the national championship. It was all set up to be Vince Young in Houston. And then Reggie Bush is the most electrifying player in all of college football. And he took Mario Williams from NC State. And there was a guy, I think it was the owner of the Texans, went up to Charlie Cashley and was all pissed off about Adam, why did you not draft these players? Why did you not draft Bush? Why did you not draft Vince Young? And he pointed, and the general, I don't know where he was, where if he was next to him or not, he said, I got to stop 18. You got to get after Peyton Manning. And in hindsight, the Texans definitely made the right decision. Vince Young had one good year in the NFL, and Reggie Bush was, well, he put forth the wor- one of the worst rushing seasons in NFL history with the Bills. I think he had negative one rushing yard in the with the Bills. He was the Lions' last 1,000-yard rusher, I believe. I think that's right. Could be wrong about that. But for some good seasons in my uh, in New Orleans, won a Super Bowl, had some good stuff with the Dolphins as well for a little bit. 
But Mario Williams, clearly the best player of that draft. Out of that, out of those three players, I don't remember the entire draft. I know like <laughs> I know Jay Cutler's in it, but I'm not uh, Matt Leinert. And who else was in the twenties, two thousand six draft class? AJ Hawk, good player. Vernon Davis, the highest drafted tight end of all time until Kyle Pitts was drafted. And then you had the hilarious exchange between him and Mike Singletary. Can't coach him. Can't win with him. Can't do this with him. And Mike Singletary, a greatest, one of the greatest linebackers of all time, uh, not a great head coach. Dante Whitner, who for a little bit was trying to go by Dante Hittner. He was a safety for the Buffalo Bills, and he went for the Browns for a little bit. But Dante Hittner, that dude was fun to watch for a little bit. Haloti Nada was very fun. Chad Greenway, Antonio Cromartie, Tomba Hali. D'Angelo Williams was really good for a little bit as well. Joseph Adai for the Colts. He had some, he had a pretty decent career in the NFL. Greg Jennings. Uh, Andrew Whitworth, who just retired. Devin Hester, one of the, the greatest returner of all time. Reese Jones-Drew had a nice career in the NFL. Who else do we have in here? Michael Robinson, fullback for the Saints, played quarterback at Penn State. Play, or Saints, played fullback for the Seahawks. Kyle Williams was drafted this year. Like, this was a good, that, 2006, though the top two quarterbacks were not anything spectacular in the NFL and Liner and Vince Young, it, it was a pretty, you know, all right draft class. Mario Williams, A tier. Mario Williams was awesome in the NFL. We were on to 2007, Jamarcus Russell. Uh, yeah, it's S tier. D tier. <laughs> now, I've, I don't know if this is, it's obvious the top two busts of all time are Ryan Leaf and Jamarcus Russell. I think everybody agrees on that. It's just the order that people have debates on. Which one's worse, Ryan Leaf or Jamarcus Russell? I've always been on the mindset that Ryan Leaf's the worst one. Because Jamarcus Russell, yeah, he had all the in- the measurables and all that stuff. But there are really no other quarterbacks competing with him in that draft. Brady Quinn, who didn't do anything in the NFL as well, at least in the first round. But Ryan Leaf was, they, they were 50-50 on Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf. 50-50. Peyton Manning, again, top three quarterback of all time. Ryan Leaf, top two bust of all time. Like, if you're talking about who we were comparing these two to, Jamarcus Russell to Brady Quinn, who also didn't turn out to be an NFL, really good NFL quarterback, and Ryan Leaf to Peyton Manning. Yeah, I think that I think that speaks for itself, really. Maybe I can read too much into that and go, well, oh, maybe this is what this happened, this happened. No, Ryan Leaf was compared to Peyton Manning. They were 50-50. On Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf. 50-50. That's ridiculous to think about. <laughs> Can you imagine if the Colts went with Ryan Leaf? You know how different the history of the NFL would be? The Patriots and Chargers would have an insane rivalry. The Chargers have beaten the Patriots since Belichick's been there. Like, it, <laughs> if Peyton Manning went to the Chargers, we have a completely different view on the, the San Diego Chargers when they were that. Might even still be in San Diego. But, man... I always say Ryan Leaf's the biggest bust, but Jamarcus Russell ain't far behind him. Like, there was a time where they said that no one can wear number two because that's how bad Jamarcus Russell was in, in, <laughs> with the Raiders. They were like, we've outlawed the number two. Like, Terrell Pryor, when he went to the Raiders, he had to wear number six at the start because they wouldn't let him wear number two. <laughs> they were like, yeah, we're going to rid this. like retiring a number. But when most teams retire a number, it's because how great someone was. For the Raiders, for about a season and a half, maybe two seasons, they were like, we're retiring this jersey because of how bad. We're never going to let anybody be as bad as this ever. I don't know if there's been a situation like that before in NFL history, but that's one of my favorite moments of all time. But yeah, DeMarcus, DeMarcus Russell's in D tier. Then we move on to 2008. We've got, I think it's Jake Matthews up next. Jake Matthews fine. We'll put him in B tier. Like, is he, was he amazing in the NFL? Or not Jake Matthews, Jake Long. Jake Long, Jake Long, not Jake Matthews. Jake Long was a, Jake Matthews was sixth overall pick. Jake Matthews 
was a first overall pick. And, yeah, I, I put Jake Matthews in B tier. He had one really good season in the NFL. We made first-team All-Pro, but kind of bounced around after that, had some injuries, and now he's out of the league. He played eight years in the NFL, second-team All-Pro as well, first-team All-Rookie. Like, yeah, started his career really good, but kind of tailed off. We'll put him in B tier, might put him down in C tier. We'll see how the rest of this tier list goes. 2009, Matt Stafford, A tier. He's not a Hall of Famer. He's not. Right now, he's not a Hall of Famer. I'm not saying Matt Stafford cannot develop, go into the Hall of Fame. He could win another Super Bowl. He could win three more Super Bowls. He's got a very awesome team. We'll go over the NFL Big Four in a little bit and talk about they've got a really nice Big Four. They could win a Super Bowl again. Wouldn't surprise me. Matt Stafford's not going in off the back of one Super Bowl. We're not doing that. Because then we're starting to teeter into the category of, wow, this guy was good. Well, too bad it's not the Hall of Good. It's the Hall of Fame. The greatest players of all time. Matthew Stafford's never been one of the greatest quarterbacks in the NFL. He's never been a top five quarterback in the NFL. So why all of a sudden are we saying, oh, this dude's a Hall of Famer? No, he is not on the test tier. He's A tier. He's fine. I like Matt Stafford. He ain't a Hall of Famer, though. 2010, we got Sam Bradford. Uh, For contracts, he's S tier. I don't know how this dude managed to get the contracts he got, but Sam Bradford always seemed to get these massive-ass contract extensions. Jeez. And somehow, the Eagles swindled the Vikings to give up a first-round draft pick for Sam Bradford after he played one season with the team. One season with the Eagles, where he <laughs> he had 19 touchdowns and 14 picks, and somehow they managed to swindle a first-round draft pick out of that. But no, I can't put Staff, Sam Bradford anywhere above C tier. He was hurt all the time. Like I remember having arguments with my Vikings friends about Sam Bradford because he broke the NFL record for completion percentage in a season at the time. Well, yeah, the Vikings only ran crossing routes. That's literally all they ran that season. And congratulations, you went eight or what eight and eight or seven and nine. And you blew the season. Started off awesome. And completely thrashed that down your leg. You started off 5-0, and lost four straight games, and then finished the season 8-8. Eight and eight. How the hell does that happen? Like, I don't... Sam Bradford's a fine quarter. That dude, again, somehow that dude got a crap ton of contracts. But, man, I that was so annoying when I had to debate people on Sam Bradford is not a good quarterback. Or he's a good average at best, below average to average at best quarterback in the NFL. Really good college quarterback. Won a Heisman. Was injured a lot in college, too. C tier. Contract contract goat, Sam Bradford. 2011, uh, we got Cameron Newton. He goes in A tier. Uh, Cam Newton sucks now, but in his peak, which was, to be fair, about a year, he was really good. <laughs> the thing is, uh, this is my favorite trivial trivia fact in NFL history. The Carolina Panthers, throughout their entire history, have never had back-to-back winning seasons. Isn't that weird? Isn't that very strange that the Carolina Panthers, a team that's been around for 20-plus years, has not had a single back-to-back winning season? They've had a winning season plus a 500 record, but they've never had a back, back-to-back winning seasons. That is extremely weird to me. And they've had some good players. It's not like they've went to two Super Bowls during that 20-year span. And after said Super Bowl, they went on to either finish 500 or below 500. That is ridiculous to think about. But Cam Newton, when he was at his best, dominated the NFL. Again, it was about a year. He got hurt all the time. I've never been a massive fan of Cam Newton, and he's not a Hall of Famer. I know people want to put him up in the Hall of Fame. He's not a Hall of Famer. 
Like I always say, you, it's no coincidence his best completion percentage year is the year they got Christian McCaffrey because he just checked down all the time. Like the weird ass spike in his completion percentage from like fifty six to sixty six. That was kind of a wow. I wonder what they changed their offense. Oh, they just check it down every single time. That's all they do. But Cam, I'll put him in A tier because he's not. He's better than Alex. <laughs> he's better than Alex Smith. Twenty twelve. Andrew Luck. Man, I don't know where to put Andrew Luck. Because Andrew Luck was on pat. Like this dude. If we're talking about hyped prospects, and people we don't want to talk about Trevor Lawrence being hyped last year. Andrew Luck was the dude. They had a whole mantra and everything. Suck for luck. That was the whole mantra. Him and RG3, number one and two picks in the draft. Number one and two in the Heisman race, if I believe so. Retired out of nowhere. He got shafted by the Colts. And Gre- uh, Gregson, what was his name? Uh, what was his first name? Brian Gregson? The GM? Terrible GM. Terrible GM. And Andrew Luck died. But when Andrew Luck was in, the Colts were one of the better teams in the NFL. In 2014, you know, <laughs> yeah, they got shafted by the New England Patriots. That was the whole deflate gate thing. But they were really good. They went 11 and 5. Andrew Luck threw 40 touchdown passes. I don't know where to put it. I'll put him in B tier because he didn't play that long. But if Andrew Luck played longer and had an off to line during his time in, Phil- in Indianapolis, he could be even higher on this. He would be higher on this list for sure. I feel bad because I really like Andrew Luck. I like Andrew Luck a lot. Next one, uh, Eric Fisher. Again, a weird one. He's not. It's B or C tier for Eric Fisher. If you were talking to Chiefs fans, they'd put him in like F tier. And F tier is not even a thing on this list. But Eric Fisher is just a, you know, fine. He made two Pro Bowls, won a Super Bowl. Never been anything special. I mean, I guess we have to put him in B tier. I mean, he did make a couple Pro Bowls, which isn't a lot. But then I, I like Sam Bradford at C See, now I have problems here because I don't think Sam Bradford, looking at how this is all panning out, are we going to have anybody in C tier? I don't know. We'll have, to, we'll have to wait and see. But Eric Fisher, I've never been a huge fan of Eric Fisher. That's like one of the worst draft classes of all time, 2013. For one quarterback in the first round, 16th EJ Manuel to the Bills. Eric Fisher, Central Michigan, get drafted first overall. I'm not saying you can't get drafted first overall from Central Michigan, but... It was just a not. It was not a great draft class. <laughs> Moving on to 2014. 2014 was Jadavian Clowney. Clowney's B tier. Like Clowney had a little bit of success, but he was really up and down. Like I remember when they drafted him, it was like you watched the clip of him blowing up. To, oh, what was his name? Something Smith. I almost said Nolan Smith, but that was the point guard, shooting guard from Duke. What was his name? The running back Smith. 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 Whatever. Blew him up. Lit his ass. up. Up, knocked his helmet off, did everything, and recovered the fumble. Like he blew him up and recovered the fumble. It's one of the greatest plays of all time. Jadavian Clowney was one of the greatest edge rushers in college football history from South Carolina, and then was easily going to be drafted first overall. It was like people toyed with the idea of Johnny Manziel going first overall, but it wasn't going to happen. Like Jadavian Clowney, or not? Was it that year? Was Jadavian Clowney the Johnny Manziel year? It had to be, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jadavian Clowney was that was. Yeah, that was Johnny Manziel's year. But yeah, that up and down, up and up and up and up and down. Like the the line between him and J.J. Watt was like, oh, it's going to be the greatest. I think Vince Wilfork was there at the time too. Like, oh, it's going to be the greatest D-line of all time. Yeah, J.J. Watt's awesome, but Jadavian Clowney was awesome like every other year it felt like. So I'll put him in B tier. 2015, we got Jameis Winston. I don't know. We'll put him in C tier. No, I'll put him in C tier. 
because I I feel weird for James Winston because I mean he just got his eyes fixed so he can see and I know looking at his numbers he balling quote from James Winston but I he had a thirty for thirty season how many thirty for thirty seasons have we seen in NFL history he led the league in passing yards yet had thirty touchdowns and thirty interceptions how often does that happen that's not a regular thing. And I wish him nothing but success in New Orleans. He had a good year before he tore his ACL last year, but yeah, you went from a first overall pick to a backup in like five years. Yeah, I I know he's starting now, but there's a bunch of links with the Saints drafting a quarterback this year. So I'm not really sold on him being better than that. I like I have no issues with Jameis, but yeah. Next one, Jared Goff. Somewhere between B and C tier. I like Jared Goff. I really have no issues. I know Jared Goff gets memed all the time on Twitter. But this dude did go to a Super Bowl with the Rams. This dude does have a very nice arm throws, a very nice football, and he did tough out the playoffs with a broken thumb on his throwing hand. So I have nothing but respect for Jared Goff. I don't think he's an amazing quarterback, but again, his contract is what the market said, so that's what he got paid. So I have really no issue with that. He's with the Lions. Yeah, I had to put him in B tier. He's the only one on this list on the B tier level out of the quarterbacks that went to a Super Bowl. I guess Eric Eric Fisher, well, Alex Smith went to a Super Bowl, but he was the backup. But, yeah. Jared Goff, I'll, I'll stick him in B tier. I'll stick him in B tier. Baker Mayfield, B tier, I think. Want to stick him in B tier? Because he's fine. Like, I've said this numerous times. I really have no issue with Baker. I just think that Baker is one of those quarterbacks where it goes, the fans really love him. Like, the fans of Cleveland love Baker Mayfield to the point of it's kind of ridiculous and sad. Baker Mayfield is a fine quarterback, but there ain't nothing he can do that, like, 90% of the other quarterbacks in the NFL can't do. He's just a very average quarterback, and B's right in the middle. But I think Andrew Luck is a hell of a lot better than Baker Mayfield. I think Alex Smith's better than Baker Mayfield. So I don't know. And now I'm kind of confused on what I've set these tiers at because I, I wish we had a tier in between, like, we had an E tier or something. So I could have a C tier open to where I could go, oh, this is where the quarterbacks are. Like, Andrew Luck is better than Baker. Andrew Luck is better than Jared Goff. Andrew Luck is better than Alex Smith. So I feel bad for sticking him in B, but he got hurt. And then we've got 2017. Oh, wait, I skipped 2017. I, Baker's 2018. I skipped 2017. Miles Garrett, I think he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Miles Garrett is one of the best edge rushers in the NFL. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. Miles Garrett is a freaking beast. Uh, has he had t- double-digit sacks every year in the NFL? Apart from the year he got suspended for hitting Mason Rudolph in the head. <laughs> he had to, right? Oh, no, he even had that. He had seven sacks rookie year, then 13 and a half, 10, 12, and then 16 last year. Like, Miles Garrett's going to be a haul. He had a sack in the playoffs. Like, Miles Garrett's going to be I don't really need to explain that. And Kyler Murray, A tier. I think Kyler, I like Kyler Murray a lot as a player. As a person, Kyler Murray is kind of annoying. I don't know what his big deal is with the contract situation right now. But I don't, I don't, I don't really understand it. I really don't understand Kyler Murray's complaints with the contract. Like I would understand his complaints with the coach and the organization as a whole, but your issues with the contract. Steve Kimes not a very good GM, and Cliff Kingsbury, we know what he is as a head coach. I'd be more pissed off about that than my current contract situation. Or maybe that's just a way of telling them, "Hey, screw you guys, I want out." And that's just a way of saying it nicely. Like I want a new contract. Uh, F you guys. Maybe that's what the letter written between the letters, written between the lines. Like, I don't know how many people out there read off his Instagram or Twitter post that he had or his agent posted. I ain't read that. I have no idea what that thing said. That was one of those things where it was like Dr. Doofenshmirtz, I don't care in Ader, 
or the text you send, I, I ain't reading all that. Sorry that happened, or congrats. <laughs> like, I, I don't care. Kyler, I really don't care. But I think you're a very talented quarterback. I just think you're stuck in a very trash. <laughs> you got some good players on your team, but Cliff Kingsbury stinks and Steve Kimes stinks. So that's the kind of situation you're stuck in. But here's the tier list again. And I don't, I'm not a massive fan of some of the places we put these guys in, but like S tier, Manning, Manning, and Garrett. I think those guys are all Hall of Famers. A tier, Vic, Palmer, Mario Williams, Stafford, Newton, and Murray. B tier, Alex Smith, Jake Long, Andrew Luck, Eric Fisher, Jadavian Clowney, Jared Goff, Baker Mayfield. C tier, Sam Bradford, Jameis Winston. I don't uh, that, that Baker might have to go to C tier. He might have to go to C tier. And then D tier, I really know uh, Tim Couch, Courtney Brown, Derek Carr, Jamarcus Russell. Like if it weren't for Vic, that'd be three years in a row where they had a bust in the first pick. <laughs> if it weren't for Michael Vic. But that's the tier list we've got for you. I hope you enjoyed the tier list. I like doing tier lists. Tier lists are fun to do every once in a while. I don't do them that often. I well, we used to try and do them every once in a while, but we kind of stopped doing that. I don't know why, but I like doing them. And we haven't done this yet, but make sure you're following the Logan Blackman Show on all forms of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, you're listening to it right now. Make sure you're listening or subscribed or following the Apple Podcast and Spotify account. Leave a rating on a five stars on both of them. I greatly appreciate it. Twitter is Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram is Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is the Logan Blackman Show one. Facebook and YouTube to search Logan Blackman Show. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Like the Facebook page. Watch a few videos on YouTube. Give them some thumbs up. I greatly appreciate that as well. And again, the only way you know what I'm saying right now is because you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you're not subscribed, I'm sorry. Well, then you should be sorry to me. That hurts my feelings. But I hope you're subscribed eventually because I think the show went pr- is going pretty good today. But leave a rating on a five-star as well. I don't care if you leave like a two-star rating or something. Just leave a rating because right now we're at 15 ratings of the five stars on Apple Pod- or 15 five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts. I would greatly appreciate it if you left a five-star rating. But again, you don't have to. I'm not going to force you to do anything. But the Logan Blackman Show, we are on episode 220 on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This isn't the 219th or 220th episode in total. We've done about, I would imagine, somewhere around 400 episodes. Because we didn't, we only had Apple Podcasts and Spotify during COVID. Like we did, we did SoundCloud for a little bit, and then we had shows that we didn't have any audio for. We just did live shows. So, and those were two hours long. So the amount of shows we have done throughout the years is kind of ridiculous. And I think this show is back to being the normal standard we have for it. And I talked about this on Wednesday, but I want to do this today. And this show is getting long. I did not anticipate the show being this long, but you know what? That's the reality in which we live in right now. But so I kind of teased this on Wednesday. We got to go with the NFL Big Four because this is an Instagram post I saw on Tuesday. It was from Buffalo Fanatics, which if you're a Bills fan, make sure you're following them. They're a very good account. They said something, do the Bills have the best Big Four in the NFL? The Big Four, if you don't know, is the top four players pretty much on your team. It doesn't need to be two offense, two defenses, the four best players you think on your team. So I went through and looked at each NFL team, ranked their Big Four, or post their Big Four, ranked them in division, so in their division, and then ranked them out of eight because there's eight divisions, so there's eight division winners. And we crowned a champion of the best Big Four in the NFL. So starting off the AFC North, we're going to go through each division, then say the rankings, and then go to the next division. Let's take a drink of water first. But so, like in the AFC North, we'll go alphabetical order first, and then we'll go over the rankings. Baltimore, Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, Ronnie Stanley, Marlon Humphrey. Now, there's some players you could throw in there if you wanted to, 
But I think those are the best five, four players on the team. Now there's, again, there could be some other players. Maybe you want to throw in Marquise Brown. Maybe you want to throw in somebody like Marcus Peters. Maybe you want to throw in someone like, I don't know, Morgan Moses or someone like that. <laughs> Derek Wolf. Like this, I don't know. Who do you want to throw in there? I think Marlon Humphrey is one of the best corners in the NFL when healthy. And Ronnie Stanley, when healthy, is one of the best left tackles in the NFL. And Mark Andrews and Lamar Jackson kind of speak for themselves. J.K. Dobbins, I guess, can be mentioned up there as well. Cincinnati, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, and Jesse Bates on defense. Trey Hendrickson is definitely someone you could have mentioned up there as well. Sam Hubbard, I guess, could be mentioned in that same category. But I think like Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, and Jamar Chase are unquestionable. And Jesse Bates, I think, is the best player on their defense. I, I know Trey Hendrickson had another 10-plus sack season, but I like Jesse Bates a lot. Cleveland, we got Deshaun Watts, Nick Chubb, Miles Garrett, and Denzel Ward, who just became the highest-paid cornerback in NFL history. So congratulations to Denzel Ward. I really like Denzel Ward. We've said for a few years now that Denzel Ward is the most underrated, next to Tredavious White, the most underrated corner in the NFL. I really like him. We already talked about Miles Garrett being a potential Hall of Famer. Deshaun Watts in the top 10 quarterback when he's playing, and Nick Chubb's a top, what, five running back? And then Pittsburgh, uh, sorry, you're in last. <laughs> I, like, I like a lot of these players here, but Najee, Cameron Hayward, T.J. Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick. T.J. Watt, defensive player of the year fairly easily. Almost tied the record for sacks in the season. So T.J. Watt's got to get mentioned up there. Cam Hayward's one of the better interior D linemen of all time. And Minka Fitzpatrick's one of the best centers, safeties in the NFL. I said say all time, the, 20, the 21st century Cameron Hayward. But they're in last. I'm sorry they're in last. I think Baltimore's third. I just think the two Ohio teams are stacked when it comes to their big four. And then Cincinnati's going to be two, Cleveland's one. I mean, you got a potential Hall of Famer. you got one of the best corners in the NFL. Like, if you just go through one, rank each position, I, I think that I'm going to take the Browns in that one. I take the Browns in the North. AFC South, we got Houston. we got Brandon Cooks, Laramie Tunzel, Jonathan Greenard, and Christian Kirksey. I struggled to find a fifth, a fourth one. I struggled. Like, I could have thrown – I thought about jokingly throwing in Davis Mills because quarterbacks are usually so many you want to throw in there. But, like, Rex Burkhead, Marlon Mack, Brevin Jordan, Laramie Tunsil. Wait, did we we threw Laramie Tunsil in there, right? Yeah, okay. Laramie Tunsil was obviously going to be in there. Titus Howard. What, what, what are we like on defense? You lost Justin Justin Reed. He would have been in here. Lonnie John, Desmond King, Stephen Nelson. Like we, Christian Kirksey might not be the fourth best player on the Texans, but that's just how it worked out. Indianapolis, Jonathan Taylor, Quentin Nelson, DeForest Butner, Darius Leonard. Very nice. Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence, James Robinson, Brandon Scherf, and Josh Allen. The Jaguars, the edge rusher, Josh Allen, the defensive Josh Allen. I don't know what other players you could really throw in here if you're talking about just contracts. I mean, Christian Kirk has to be mentioned in that category. Defense, Shaquille Griffin's a really nice corner, really nice. He's a nice corner. Rayshon Jenkins is a pretty decent safety, but I think I think those are the top four. And Brandon Scherf hasn't even played a game for them yet, but Brandon Scherf's one of the best guards in the NFL, so he has to be mentioned up there. And Tennessee, Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, Jeffrey Simmons, and Kevin Byard. Kevin Byard is one of the least talked about safeties in the NFL. I like this dude a lot. Best natural center fielder in the NFL, in my opinion. So, yeah, I think this one's fairly – I think it's the Colts. I mean, Taylor, Nelson, Buckner, and Leonard. Like, I'm sorry, Tennessee, Henry Brown, Jeffrey Simmons, and Byard. That's a very good one. But we're not – like, Jonathan Taylor balled out this year. Quentin Nelson's the best lineman in the NFL – or best interior lineman in the NFL. I shouldn't say all of them. DeForest Buckner's one of the best interior D linemen in the NFL, and Darius Leonard's one of the best linebackers in the NFL. Like, I like the players the Titans are bringing. I don't even need to mention the Jaguars in Texas. We know they're in last place. <laughs> but the Colts, 
Taylor Nelson, Buckner, Leonard. That's a really that's stacked. AFC East, one of the easiest divisions in all of football. <laughs> Do I? The Bills have the best one in this way. Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Von Miller, and Trey White. Easily. Like it'll be Tyreek Hill, Mike Gusecki, Taron Armstead, and Xavier Howard. That's good. Xavier Howard's a very nice corner. New England, Damien, this one's ugh, the offensive side of things for the Patriots. The Patriots might, there's <laughs> Damien Harris, David Andrews, Matthew Judon, Devin McCourty. I struggled to find a fourth one there. I forced Devin McCourty in there. And uh, the Jets, Zach Wilson, Mackay Becton, Carl Lawson, who didn't play last year, and Jordan Whitehead. The Bills are easily number one there. <laughs> it's not even really close. I'm not going to elaborate on that one. AFC West, the most probably stacked one in the NFL. Denver, we got Russell Wilson, Bradley Chubb, Justin Simmons, and Pat Sertan. Again, you could throw in one of the wide receivers if you really wanted to. You could throw in Garrett Bowles. You could throw in Javante Williams, but we went with the defensive guys there. Kansas City, we got Mahomes, Kelsey, Creed Humphrey, and Chris Jones. Chiefs defense is not very good. And Creed Humphrey proved he's one of the best centers in the NFL during his rookie season, so we had to put him up there. A Tyreek Hill would definitely be in there, but, you know, he's not there. We're not putting Juju or Marcus Valdez-Scantling in there. Vegas, we got Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, and Max Crosby. And there's some good players on the defensive side. Like Chandler Jones is now on the Raiders as well. So you could have thrown Chandler Jones in there, but I think Max Crosby and what he's meant to the Raiders organization since he got drafted has been a lot. Rakia Sin could also be mentioned up there as well. He just got traded there from the Colts. Ooh, no, Yannick Ngakwe wouldn't be on the Colts one. Colton Miller could easily be mentioned up there as well. Hunter Renfro, but Josh Jacobs. Like, there's some good players on the Raiders, but I think those are – Chandler Jones is very close. I don't want to disrespect Chandler Jones because at his best, he's one of the best edge rushers in the NFL. And the Chargers, Herbert, Allen, Bosa, and J.C. Jackson. So, to me, I think the Chargers had the best one here. I think. And I could have even thrown, like, Khalil Mack in there as well, but Derwin James I didn't mention, but – J.C. Jackson's consistently one of the best interceptors in the entire NFL. Joey Bosa is one of the most lethal edge rushers in all the NFL. Justin Herbert's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and Keenan Allen's the most underrated wide receiver in the NFL. I'm going to put the Chargers at one. I'm going to put the Chargers at one. And that's, like, the Raiders are right there. Every team in this division is right there. I'm not saying this is a runaway thing like the AFC East. I'm going to give it to the Chargers, though. So in the AFC recap, we have the Chargers, Bills, Colts and Browns. So those are the top teams in the AFC. For the NFC, NFC North, we got the Bears. This one's rough. David Montgomery, Darnell Mooney, Roquan Smith, and Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson doesn't like to tackle anymore. Roquan Smith's one of the best linebackers in the NFL. Darnell Mooney, I've heard from Bears fans, is going to be the best receiver in the NFL. And David Montgomery's a nice, he's a pretty consistent running back. Detroit, we got DeAndre Swift, TJ Hawkinson, Frank Ragnow, and Amani Oriari. Oh, Jeez. Oruari. So I'm, I'm sorry. He was one of the top interceptors in the league last year. They don't really have a lot of players like that on the defensive side of the ball, which is why they're probably going to go defense heavy, at least with the first pick. We we can pretty much say they're either going with like one of the three top edge rushers, whichever one's available, Hutchinson, if he's available to take him, Walker or Tibbs, if Hutchinson goes one. So one of those players will go to Detroit at number two. But yeah, nothing great. I like Hawkinson and Swift a lot. Amon Ross St. Brownstone you can mention up there. You've got Jared Goff's a very nice uh, – again, we put him in B tier. But I wouldn't put him in the top players in the Detroit Lions. But, yeah, that's – yeah, the Bears and Lions, uh, <laughs> obviously they're going to come in last, second to last. Packers, Rodgers, Aaron Jones, David Bakhtiari, and Jair Alexander. I don't – so I struggled with that one a little more. I think, like, Rodgers, Bakhtiari, and Jair Alexander are top three in their position. 
So I struggled with the last one because Aaron Jones didn't really have an Aaron Jones-esque year last year. Played the same number, but A.J. Dillon started getting a lot more carries. Like He had back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, and then he got cut down to just under 800 yards with four touchdowns. His touchdowns got dropped down by five. His yards per carry got dropped down by a lot. So, yeah, I Aaron Jones, I struggle with that one. Is there anybody else? Like Rashawn Gary could have been mentioned up there as well. Adrian Amos is a nice safety. But I don't know who else you'd put up there. So I, I kind of struggle with that one. And then the Vikings, we got Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Neil Hunter, and Harrison Smith. I don't know where to go with this one. Because Harrison Smith is one of the best safeties in the NFL. He's getting up there in age. Daniil Hunter is one of the best edge rushers in the NFL. Hopefully he can stay healthy. If he can stay healthy, the dude's an absolute animal. Patrick Peterson, in his time, is one of the greatest cornerbacks of the 21st century, so he could definitely be mentioned up there. I think Kirk Cousins can be mentioned up there. Adam Thielen can be mentioned up there. But I think if you're... Uh, I, I'm going to go with the same argument that I had with... Uh, like what I just said with the Packers. Three of those four players are top three in their position. Alexander, Bakhtiari, and Rodgers. So I'm going to go with them. I don't know if Dalvin is. I don't know if Jefferson is. And I know Daniil Hunter and Harrison Smith aren't. You can make an argument for Harrison Smith, I guess, but I don't think Daniil Hunter is in that top three edge rusher category because I think the top three guys are Garrett, TJ Watt, and uh, I'm trying to not forget anybody. Who else could be mad? I mean, Robert Quinn was – oh, the Bears could have had Robert Quinn. I forgot Robert Quinn. We could take out David Montgomery and put Robert Quinn. But, I, I mean, it doesn't like it change anything. I completely forgot about Robert Quinn. <laughs> Robert Quinn had like 18 sacks this year. How many sacks? 18 and a half sacks. <laughs> so, I completely – that's my bad. I completely forgot about him. I completely forgot about Robert Smith, Robert Quinn. He'd be up there as well in regards to the Bears' best players. But, yeah, I – it's hard. Bosa – both Bosa's, I think, are better than Hunter, so I'm going to go with the Packers at one. It's hard, but I'm going to go with the Packers. NFC South, the worst division in all of football. Falcons, Cordell Patterson, Kyle Pitts, Grady Jarrett, A.J. Terrell. Panthers, McCaffrey, D.J. Moore, Brian Burns, Jeremy Chin. Saints, we got Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, when healthy, Ryan Ramchick, and Marshawn Lattimore. And then the Bucks, Brady, Evans, Godwin, and Barrett. That Saints one, it's pushing them really close because Marshawn Lattimore is one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL. Alvin Kamara... Evy, unless he gets arrested, is one of the best running backs in the NFL. Michael Thomas hasn't played in a year, but he's one of the best receivers in the NFL, one of the best players overall in the NFL when he's playing. But yeah, we're gonna I'm gonna go with the Bucks. We're gonna go with the Bucks. It's hard, but we're gonna go with the Bucks. NFC East, uh Cowboys, we got Prescott, CeeDee Lamb, Micah Parsons, Trayvon Diggs. Unanimous rookie of the year, defense rookie of the year, and one of the top inter- the league's leading interception leader last year in Trayvon Diggs. The Giants, we got Barkley, Leonard Williams, Blake Martinez, and James Bradbury, if he's still on the team by the time the show comes out. But yeah, I, I struggle with the Giants one. I str- Blake Martinez, I didn't like putting Blake Martinez in there. But I really don't know who else to put there. Kadarius Toney? Could I have put him in there? Aziz Ojalari? Xavier McKinney? Like these, they have some good players, but I don't know what their top four players are. And Blake Martinez didn't really play a lot last year. The Eagles, we got Dallas Goddard, Jason Kelsey, Hassan Riddick, and Darius Slay. Hassan Riddick kind of came on late, but that dude's been balling out for the past couple years. So he's definitely up there, even though he hasn't played it down for the Eagles yet. And then Washington, we got Terry McLaurin, Chase Young, Jonathan Allen, and Deron Payne. 
that one's close, but I'm going to give it to the cow the Cowboys. Washington did push it there. Those three players on their D-line are elite at their positions. But I'm going to give it to the Cowboys. I'm going to give it to the Cowboys. Based off last year alone, I mean, it's hard not to. Even though Trayvon Diggs did give up like 10,000 yards receiving last year. <laughs> and then NFC West, we got Cardinals with Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, J.J. Watt, and Buda Baker. I kind of struggled with the third one. I didn't know if I should put J.J. Watt in there. I didn't know if I should or not. So that one I was the most skeptical about, but I don't know who else you would put in that category. Like James Conner I thought about because he was up there in the top of the league in touchdowns last year for rushing touchdowns. Like Isaiah Simmons could be someone up there. Byron Murphy's a pretty decent corner. DJ Humphreys. Like I I struggle with that one quite a bit. I struggle with that one quite a bit. So I apologize. JJ, I don't know if J.J. Watt deserves to be in there. The other three do. The Rams, we got Stafford, Cup, Donald, and Ramsey. Okay. Do I need to say anything? I think we know they're winning the NFC West. We know they're winning the NFC West. <laughs> the 49ers, though, they did push it. Samuel, if he's still there by the time the show comes out. Kittle, Nick Bosa, and Fred Warner. That's very good. That's very solid. And Trent Williams didn't even make it in here. I could put Trent Williams in since Debo Samuel is pretty much wanting out. So maybe he goes in, but that still doesn't change. I mean, the Rams. And then the Seahawks finally lock it. Metcalf, Jamal Adams, and Quandre Diggs. So they're at four, <laughs> but the Rams go in at number one. So the top in the NFC teams were the Packers, the Bucks, the Cowboys, and the Rams. So recap, the top eight teams in the NFL, just regards to the division. This is not all of the teams put together. It's just division champion against division champion. It's like the playoffs, but the only the top team in each division makes it. So we got the Browns, the Colts, the Bills, the the Chargers, the Packers, the Bucks, Cowboys, and the Rams. And on all these teams, like to answer Buffalo Fanatics' question, do the Bills have the best big four in the NFL? I'm gonna give it to the Rams. I mean, Cooper Cup broke every single receiving record last year. He had the triple crown, receptions, catches, and touch reception yard and touchdown. Receptions, yards, and touchdowns. Aaron Donald's been the most dominant player in the NFL ever since he's been in the league. And Jalen Ramsey is one of the best, if not the best, corner in the NFL. And Matt Stafford's now a Hall of Famer. So, like, it's hard to say that they are not <laughs> the best. I'm joking about the last part. But Stafford played well last year. They're definitely number I, – I shouldn't say definitely. They're number one, though. Number two, I would think I'd go to the Browns. Deshaun Watson, Nick Chubb, Miles Garrett, and Denzel Ward. That's very good. Like, the thing that's holding the Bills back, and I don't – I can't believe I'm saying this, is Vaughn Miller. Because Von Miller is still productive, yes, but he's getting older. So his numbers aren't going to be up there with the likes of Miles Garrett, who is currently one of the best edge rushers in the NFL. Currently. Von Miller was, and he is, one of the greatest edge rushers of all time. And I hope this year he balls out. I'm not gonna I'm not saying anything negative about my Von Miller. He's just up there in age. That's not saying anything bad. I wouldn't put him up there with Miles Garrett. So I have the Bills at three, and then I have the Colts at four. The Chargers at five, the Cowboys at six, no, <clears throat> Packers at six, Cowboys seven, Bucks eight. Maybe no, what? Wait, Bucks six, Cowboys last. I don't know. Those three teams bottom, but I. <laughs> there's a, this is stressful. This is stressful. But I think the Rams are number one. I think the top three: Rams, Browns, and Bills. And I could be maybe I'm overrating the Bills one. But Diggs and Allen's one of the best duos in all of the NFL. Trey White's one of the best corners in the NFL when he's healthy. He's coming off a torn ACL. And Von Miller's one of the greatest edge rushers of all time. So I don't really think I, – I don't think I'm overrating them. 
I don't I know it's easy to say that because I am a Bills fan, but I don't think I'm overrating them. I think they're they're insane. And there's a lot of good top four t- people in this list. But I think the Rams with Donald, Cup, Ramsey, like they're they're the number one. They're number one. And the Browns, for how <laughs> up and down the Browns were, if they can stay healthy, they got themselves a very nice team. A very, very nice team. Like one of the best defensive duos, the NFL, Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward. One of the best running backs, and then when he's playing and not suspended or whatever he's doing, Deshaun Watts is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Bar none. I know people have their differing opinions about him, and rightfully so. I'm not saying that they're unwarranted opinions, but the dude's a baller when he's on the football field. So, yeah, I think that's all I've got for you today. I really hope you enjoyed the show because I, I enjoyed this show today. I did not enjoy Wednesday's show. I don't know if you could tell or not by the end of it. I did not really like Wednesday's show one bit. So, let's give ourselves a round of applause. We made it to Friday. We made it through another show, and uh, yeah, hope you enjoyed it. If not, I apologize. Make sure, again, you're following The Logan Blackman Show on all forms of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and, of course, subscribe to the Apple Podcasts and Spotify account. So, yeah, check out TheLoganBlackmanShow.com if you want to check out about any of our blog posts. You can add me on LinkedIn if you want to. I don't really care. But, again, just make sure you're following The Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I enjoyed the show today. I hope you guys did as well. If you didn't, I apologize. Leave a rating out of five stars if you really enjoyed it. And leave a rating out of one star if you you didn't. But, yeah. Hope you guys all have a great weekend. I hope I do. (laughs) I mean, I can't look into the future. I hope I have a good weekend. But, yeah. Congratulations on making it to Friday. Hope you enjoyed the show. If not, again, I apologize. But I will see you all later. Draft is a week away. Let's go. Peace.